Men's Alliance is a growing movement of tribes meeting weekly for a rugged outdoor workout and a real-world devotion around a fire. We're flipping tires, swinging sledgehammers, talking about real struggles, and getting pushed physically and spiritually to become the husbands, fathers, and leaders God designed us to be. We'll get you out of isolation, out of your comfort zone, and into something tribal, rugged, and real. Welcome to the Men's Alliance Podcast. I'm Dave Goose Mills. I'm Dusty Shadow Parker. I'm Ryan Quackbaker. Awesome, man. So uh, for our listeners, we're doing something brand new today that I'm pretty excited about. Yep. We got Quack with us. And Quack is on the phone. So we're we're awesome. we're trying to uh, you know, expand our reach a little bit and be able to dial guys in to our soundboard here and have a conversation with them so that we can bring our listeners stories and devotions from our tribesmen who are in other states. So first time doing it, um, you know, me and Shadow are sitting here in Virginia, Quackstone in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So this is this is great. From my perspective, you know, we're going to be able to bring better material from distant tribes right we're coming for you alaska that's right we're coming for you you're going to be on a (laughs) podcast soon canada right and ohio and pennsylvania and indiana um so just a quick intro about quack right so i met you quack it was uh back in april so what's that seven months ago and quack came up he found our podcast i'll keep this short but he found our podcast uh listened to it reached out to me through email. We connected. He came up to Richmond for our tribe launch event. Yeah. And, and we did three men's Alliance workouts and devotions in one day. That's awesome. It was like a fire hose of here's how we do MA. Right. And man, I'll tell you what quack took that football and freaking ran it back down to North Carolina and, and his multiple touchdowns multiple touchdowns there's now yeah six tribes in north carolina since since meeting him in april and um you know we've had the chance to um hang out a few times in person and it's just uh it's just always amazing this is a dude who you know uh you know represents and epitomizes iron sharpening iron so quack i'm just excited to have you with us on the podcast today brother and um just want you to share you know whatever whatever's on your mind that you want to talk about today good deal thanks for having me so today's uh podcast the title of it is youth and our role as fathers nice for the last seven years of my life i um, was involved with youth ministry at our church real life church down in uh, stanley north carolina and so the youth is is very close and dear to my heart and um god actually pulled me away from youth ministry to to get into men's ministry and that's when again like the goose was saying uh, i found men's alliance and you know he's already got into the the whole where i started to where we are now period so what are our roles as a man to the youth so youth what is that that's that's any young person that is in my eyes that is younger than who we are 
um, that also in, includes our own children. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to go over are 12 things that um, I feel are important. Now, these 12 things I didn't make up. Um, several articles that I've read, and they, they just, these are the ones that really stood out to me the most. So, All right, strap in, man. We've got 12 we points. Go. Your, We've got 12 points here. Get your notepads <laughs> out. All right, so number one, we must be blameless and have a good testimony. Hmm. So be, being blameless means being innocent of wrongdoing without guilt. Hmm. In Greek, blameless translates into spotless and unblemished. So we have to live our lives in a moral way that no matter what people say about us, about us, nothing sticks. Think of it like a nonstick pot or a pan. You know, no matter what you put in there, it's going to come off. And that's the way that we should live our lives, not worrying that, you know, no matter what someone says against us, because our identity is found in Christ, that's all that matters. This focuses on the fact that Christ's blood washes away all of our sins. So no matter what happened, happened before we came to Christ, you know, that is washed away. We, we get almost like a, a completely clean slate, and we can start writing the rest of our lives in that book. Testimony is shown to us through Job's righteousness, as seen through his commitment to sexual purity, treating his servants well, a lifestyle of active service to the poor, rejection of all idols, gracious to other people and enemies, living a life of vertical awareness to please God and not men, and righteousness business practices. And I'm going to tell right. you, that's a, that's a tall order. Yeah. It is. Step one is be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm hearing i'm like oh man no that's but you're, you're you're right i mean you've got me thinking here about the um the story of joseph too right and you know he he fled every every temptation thrown in jail no accusation could stick on this guy but i'm thinking man i've certainly fallen short of this yeah for sure so are you are you blameless have you been blameless in your youth career absolutely not right absolutely yeah and i I think the the point is is it's not that that we can be blameless or or perfect you know because that's not possible but it's what we strive to be you know and and in and in doing that you know we're setting the example for those people around us you know, by the way that we walk, the way that we talk, you know, we don't, we don't jump into conversations that we don't need to jump into or, or fuel those conversations, I should say as well. For sure. Well, that's good stuff. Yeah. So in Titus, um, Paul writes in soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. So that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. So the question on that one is, how is your testimony? Yeah. I'll tell you what, man, just from my personal experience, that's the number one thing that kept me keeping my mouth shut for for all the years that I was flying in the Air Force, right? Like I wasn't living a blameless life, right? And so anytime a topic came up, um, 
you know, anytime there was an opportunity to even share my faith, I couldn't do it because I had not set myself up with that lifestyle. Right. And so I've seen that so true what you're saying. Now, I mean, I'm I'm still not perfect, still mess up all the time, but now I feel like I'm in a position where, you know, um, I'm striving every day for what's right and can speak to, you know, my kids now without being a total hypocrite. Right. You end up, I was in that spot too, where you are living a lifestyle where you see different instances where you could stand up for Christ, but you know, you wouldn't be taken seriously as a Christian if, if you did. I think of the story. I think it was a lot. Was it lot in Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, he's trying to tell his family that we need to leave. God's going to destroy the city. And they, and his kids are just are looking at him and laughing like, well, since when do you care? You know? So it makes you think like he probably had lost his testimony and was partaking in that lifestyle of Sodom and Gomorrah to some level. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, our past, you know, in our, um, our men's lines creed to say our past failures do not define me. Right. And with the, the devil, you know, once we come to Christ, our salvation, he, he can't take our soul away. But the only thing he can do to make us ineffective is throw our past in our face. And that pulls us out of the game to where we can't grow others around us or be that light to other people. Because obviously we, we, we say, well, man, I did that same thing. So I, I really can't help this guy because, well, I'm not worthy either. Right. That's good, man. All right. What's number two for us? Number two, we must honor our marriage and relationships in front of the youth and our children. How do we do that? It's by what we watch on TV, the music we choose to listen to. Uh, I think of my daughter when she was born. She was about one, about, uh, about I guess about one or two years old. And she, actually she was one. But um, I came home from work and my job at the time, I was a fire marshal um, in Mecklenburg County down here in North Carolina. And um, I had to be on my game the whole time I was working. So when I would come home, I would um, I'd sit down on the, on the couch and turn on Family Guy and just sat there and laugh and laugh and laugh. thought that was just the funniest thing. Well, then one day my daughter, um, she standing in front of me in her diaper, holding her sippy cup, and and um, he starts beating the chicken. It is all bloody and beaten. And I was just, you know, I thought it was funny at first, but then I was like, what in the world am I letting my daughter see? So at that point in time, I, I turned that TV off right then and we and we not, we haven't watched it since that that moment she's now 13 years old and um so it's just you know what are we allowing you know in our homes and exposing our children to again the music we listen to um, i used to be a huge country music listener you know now i, I, no I listen to um yeah <laughs> i used to <laughs> I used to listen to rap music so you know i listen to lecrae and i listen to yeah. uh Zach Williams band, you know, so it's, it is strictly Christian for me. Um, one, it, it's a, it is a worship, you know, and I, I do want to honor God. I do want to fill my mind with, with good things and, 
obviously not things in this world. Yeah. You know, man, that's so that story that you just shared about watching family guy, man. I'm so glad you shared that. And I think every guy we've watched something with our kids in the room and we had that moment of tension mm-hmm. of like, Ooh, Oh, this is not good. But, but like, you've got that decision to make in that moment, you can decide whether or not to be selfish and keep watching the thing for you and be like, ah, they're fine. Whatever. I want to keep doing this. Right. And it becomes a, I want thing, or we die to self, we man up and we do what's right. Well, sometimes I try to filter it through like if whatever I have on TV, if this person was here in my house, would I be, would I, you know, accept that kind of behavior or would I ask them to leave, you know? Mm. So it's like, and they, I mean, if it's on your TV, it, it's in your house, essentially. You know what I mean? That's good. It's, a, it's so easy to distance, you know, to separate it. But honestly, if you're watching something on TV that you wouldn't approve of that person acting in real life in your house, then you probably shouldn't you probably change the channel, you know, that's a good filter. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, stretch with Lucia tribe did a devotion the last week, I believe. And he said, uh, the analogy he uses, like, what are you letting in your circle? Right. That's good. uh, Another point is, um, does it honor women? Does it make them into an idol or make them less than human? We should be an example to teach our youth to save their heart and their body until that day comes when they get married. You know, that's, that's completely against what the world um, preaches. You know, the world, the world says, go out there and, you know, do what feels good. You know, do, do what you want to do. Right. So, so Paul writes in Ephesians five, three through five, fornication, uncleanliness, filthy talk, and ungodly imaginations have no place in the Christian life. So the question is, how are you honoring your marriage and relationships? Point number three, model and show self-control. Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. A lack of self-control will lead to broken relationships if this is not taught at an early age. And for me, this my, my own personal walk, you know, that was one thing that I struggled with as a young man. Um, you know, I gave my life to Christ at 14 and for t- basically 20 years of my life, self-control was not a big part of my life. Um, and that caused a lot of, of, lot of pain and hurt. Um, but it also it's taught me and made me into the person that I am now. It gives me the opportunity to relate to other men because of those past failures and those past mistakes that I've made. Um, you know, I can, you know, offer hope to other men too. Yeah, that's good. And I also, you know, we talk about it according to that verse that you were just sharing. So many times I hear, you know, people say the enemy, the enemy is walking around or the enemy is this, the enemy is that the enemy is Satan. You know, it's like, I don't think we say, call it out enough. Like the devil's doing this or Satan's doing that. We refer to it as the enemy. And it's like, I wonder if some people who aren't church are like, who's the enemy, you know, what's the enemy? 
you know, that's funny that you just said that. I actually got feedback from that from the uh, the podcast that we did. Oh, really? Or that I did on uh, transgender, the transgender yeah, and yeah, truth, yeah. Yeah. talking about how um, Satan is attacking truth. Right. Right. And and um, you know, Jesus said, "I am the truth." Right. And in that podcast, I used the enemy mm. instead of saying the devil. Right. And I got feedback from somebody that was not a Christian that listened to it, and they thought that I was implying that like transgender people oh. were the enemy. Oh. So you talk about like, whoa, that is not right. at all yeah. what I was saying. But to your point, that is exactly how it can be yeah. misconstrued. So it's good that you bring that up. I'm yeah. glad that you did. And that's yeah. something that I need to work on too. So, you know, and, and quack to this verse, and it talks about being be sober and be vigilant. I think sometimes we can we can read that only thinking about alcohol, right? Be sober, yeah. um, and that's the that's the kind of the obvious first thought I think for most guys. But you got to be sober when it comes to not being intoxicated with anything. Yeah, think about all the things that are intoxicating in our culture right now. Yeah, I think you know we can have. Uh, sobriety from lust and pornography. Oh, for sure. That's a that's a form of that's like you're talking about about self control and being sober. I think it applies to so many every area, right? Whether it's what you watch, what you listen to, what you eat, what you drink, um, everything in all areas, we should be sober, right? Sober yeah, and, in my mind, sober. Well, and it's true. Is always you never want to be at a place where god and yourself are in control of your own actions so that's what sober is is when you have a clear enough a clear mind where you can still say you know is this what is this how god would want me to act you know where you still have control over your actions and god has control over your life you know mm -hmm. absolutely and you know and, and self-control you know, we already listed off some of those things but i, I think of one of those things that i see uh, people all around me, you know, at the fire station, we're sitting around and get in guys and firefighters and just everyone in life, we get consumed and, and sucked into these phones in, in our hands. And oh, it's sure. like, if we would just put those things down and actually have a general conversation, you know, it doesn't, um, actually, I will get into it a little bit later, but talking about, you know, for our youth, you know, what are we modeling for them? Yeah. You know, for me, it, it's been a point in my life to, you know, to put my phone down in the evenings to, to, you know, enjoy those moments with my children. Cause I know, you know, in several years, they're not going to be here. You know, they're going to be somewhere else. And right. I don't want to think, I wish I would have had more conversations, right. you know, and another one, one area that I've, I've, I've never really jumped into that much of, um, but fasting, um, you know, is a one way that you can help with self-control. And maybe you guys can speak to that a little bit more than I can. Yeah, I yeah. hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Go I ahead. Mean, true fasting is, you know, if you're doing it for spiritual, you know, reasons, is you're supposed to replace, you know, anything you've, that time that you would eat with prayer, you know, so, yeah. and then you're really not supposed to, you're supposed to fast in private, in my opinion. You know, so many people will just go around to, hey, you know, I'm fasting. 
you know yeah i'm praying i'm fast well, it's, it's so many people are doing it for like just weight loss <laughs> yeah well that's what i'm saying if you're yeah. doing it for spiritual yeah. reasons so yeah, if I, it's a spiritual i'll share fast i'll share a fast yeah. Yeah. so this past uh year i fasted um uh back in early february it was like the first week of february and this is shameful to admit this yeah right but i'll be real like this was the first time in my life i had gone for multiple days fasting to pray yeah to pray like the way you're supposed to right and the funny thing was my prayer life just skyrocketed yeah like it was no kidding so powerful as i was going in like day three day four and all i was having was water Mm -hmm. and because what it happens is every single time you get the hunger pang Mm -hmm. it reminds you to pray Right. So you've got these constant reminders to pray. So you're praying so constantly. And here's the stupid part. Like I I felt like I was discovering something. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this is so powerful. And then you feel like an idiot because this the this has been in the Bible right. for centuries. Yeah. It God's been telling us this very formula. He's like, pray and fast. Yeah. And it's like, we're just not doing it. And then when we do it, we think we've discovered something new and novel. Right. You know, and it just hit me during that time. I was like, Dave, you haven't discovered anything. Yeah. You just finally started doing what the Bible has been telling you to do this yeah. whole time. All I end up doing <laughs> is praying to not help my hunger go away. <laughs> you know? so That's all my prayers end up. Being. I will just say, just give you that piece from my personal experience from back in February. I was like, Okay, fasting is a one thousand percent game changer. Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right. Number four, be respectful and model good behavior. A lady wants to marry a man, one that has good manners, carry yourself in an honorable way, treating others around you with respect. How you treat your wife or their mother will be how they treat theirs. Paul writes to us in 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2, Do not rebuke older men harshly, but exhort him as if he were your own father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. That's good. Yeah, this makes me think back to our podcast from a couple of weeks ago that we did with with Chief about oh, yeah. being a man. Right. And, you know, when you're talking quack about modeling um what it means to be a man yeah this is this is so important right um this is a this is absolutely you know what it means to help help our youth is we've got to show them through our lifestyle through our example not through our words so much but um what it means to not just be a good man but to just be manly right and how we carry ourselves and how we treat others yeah, that verse to me is basically saying stop sexualizing women. You know, I think in our culture today, it's so, that's all women are to so many people are just like sex objects. But it's, it's God saying treat, you know, the young ones as your sisters, you know, as treat every woman as if they're your family. That's a good reminder for sure. So the question on this one is, how are you being respectful? Well, how are you being respectful, Quack? I want to hear from you. You're a subject matter matter <laughs> expert. <laughs> so, so for me, it is um, it is 
you know, treating my wife with respect and that not doing that, that's showing my son that, you know, that, that he should treat, you know, not just his mother that way, but his friends, his, his future uh, wife. And then the same thing with my daughter, you know, um, I have to, for me, I, I speak a lot of times before I think, and I've, I've got to make sure that I, I don't do that because that puts myself, I get myself in trouble. Right. And um, so just that pause. And it's not so much what you say, really, but how you say it. You know, your tone can set the conversation. And that's one of my struggles is how, where my tone is. I may not say something that's bad, but the tone for which I say it could be con- perceived as bad. Does that make sense? Oh, for, oh, for sure it makes uh, sense. You know, that's such a big struggle. I think of, you know, Colossians 3 where it says we're to put on gentleness. Yeah. And yeah. that's something that a lot of men, especially strong men, struggle with is you got to leave that that part of yourself at the door. And you've got to put on gentleness when you walk in. Right. Right. You don't talk to your family the way you talk to the guys at work. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to speak to them in a tone that makes them feel loved and safe. And so I think that's a, that's a big way that we can show our respect. Yeah. I also Mm -hmm. think it's just little things. Yeah. It's easy to dismiss little things because we go, that's just a little thing. But really, like, life is all the little things added up. Yeah. So I was thinking, yeah. like, uh, some of the ways that I, I show respect to my wife would just be, like, when we go on a date night, I just open the car door, right? Just that little gesture. You just walk over there and open the door. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. you know, don't let the kids start eating dinner. Right. Uh, you until know, mom until, sits down. until mom sits down, you know. Yeah. And just those, it's just those little things that that tend to get lost in the speed of life that we've got to focus on as men and be like, no, this is important. This is how we show respect. Because essentially as a father, you're training your kids, whether they're male or female, how to be a spouse, you know, so they're going to say, well, my dad didn't pick up after himself. So what, you know, you're don't create a monster for your, for your kids, future, you know, husband or wife. That's good. Yeah, I've got a really cool photo. My son was four years old, and we were down at the garage um, back behind the house. And um, Courtney came down, my wife, and um, she got out, and it was raining. Well, my son had a small umbrella that he was playing with. You know, he's four years old, so he comes up to her waist. Well, he walks out to the car, opens the door for him, and walks her back. And she's, like, almost crab walking because he's so short. Mm-hmm. But um, – but it's just those things, you know, like you said, Goose, you know, one of those things that I do for my wife is I open the door for her, you know, um, if I'm able to or if, I'm, if I can get there fast enough, those things. And, you know, again, we're, we're showing that example, of, you know, showing them respect and treating them with kindness, too. And that's exactly how boys learn. Boys learn by seeing what men do. Right. Yeah. More is caught than taught. Yeah, that's so good. All right, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll come back with number five. Hey, this is Dusty Shadow Parker. I just wanted to take a break here and tell y'all, help us reach more men. We cannot sharpen men into the husbands, fathers, and leaders that God designed us to be without your financial support. 
Your donations enable us to launch and sustain tribes at more churches and reach more men with the gospel of Christ. Men's Alliance is a 501c3 nonprofit, so your financial support is tax deductible. Go to mensalliancetribe.com slash support to join our team. Now go refill up your coffee and enjoy the rest of this podcast. Hey, welcome back. Um, one thing I wanted to say about that last point is just with, you know, how you say it matters because, you know, especially in this culture, so much is lost in translation with texting, you know, because I think it's like 70 or 80% of communication is nonverbal, you know, and you just lose all of that through, through texting as far as, you know, voice inflection and facial expressions and hand gestures. So you can totally like misread what someone's trying to say just by reading their words, you know? So it's like, if you do have something important, that's why fighting over text is always like funny because somebody, you know, so many things can be misconstrued. It's a bad idea. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does feel good though. Like so many times I have typed out things I've wanted to say just to get it out, you know, and then delete it, you know, not send it, you know, yeah, that's kind of healthy sometimes, isn't it? That's dangerous too. <laughs> just make sure you don't might send accidentally it. <laughs> send it. Yeah. Well, that actually brings up a great point. It's, um, I don't know who said it, but, um, if you're angry and you're typing an email, type it all the way to the point where you can send it. Right. Right. Then right. Walk, away, walk away, come back, delete it and then retype it right oh yeah that's great advice all right this is good stuff i'm i'm loving this material because um you're hitting on so many amazing points all right well that leads into number five which is do not be violent or easily angered so in the book of james he tells us in james 1 19 my dear brothers and sisters take note of this everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry. But we must withhold our anger so it doesn't lead to violence. We have to model this children in everyday life with our kids, our wives, and the people on the road as well. Oh, yeah. You know, um, I remember this was so many years ago. My son, who's 15, whose call sign is Animal, um, it was probably five or six years ago when he he had really lost his temper i don't remember what had happened the, the specifics but he really lost his temper and uh, his punishment was we had him writing a bible verse 10 times right and uh, my wife would always like find a verse that applied to whatever they had just done yeah if they stole right. something or lied or, or whatever he had to copy the verse from proverbs that says like a city whose walls are falling down is a man who lacks self-control yeah. and he copied that over and over and it made such an impression on him that like years later he is sitting around a men's alliance fire and somebody's talking about self-control about being easily angered and he dropped that mm. and i was like shocked i looked over at yeah. him right i was like that made an impression right and yeah. so that still always comes to my mind that that visual image of if you're a man who is easily angered, you're like a city whose walls have been destroyed. 
Yeah. Like anybody can get at you. Right. Anybody can get a rise out of you. Yeah. Yeah. I used to have, I've always had a bad temper, but I used to have no control over my temper. So I still have like a murderous rage in me somewhere, <laughs> but um, I've learned and it. What taught me to control just getting mad so easily was when I joined the Marines because you deal with, especially like boot camp was where it all started, of course. Yeah. And you just deal with so much stupidity, so many things that could make you mad. It gave, it was able to give me perspective of like, is this worth getting mad over? Cause it's only temporary, you know? So it was like, ever since then, I still have a terrible anger, but I have a, a very, very, very long fuse, thankfully. And I can, I'm self-aware when I, like, when my heart starts pumping or when my face gets flush, it's like, okay, I don't want to get there because I hate the way it feels, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. that's, for me, that helped me. This is such a good message for dads too. like slow yeah. to speak, slow to become angry. Yeah, That's what we all want our kids to be, right? And so how are they going to be that if we're not? Right. Yeah. And it's the the crazy cycle. If we become angry, then we speak angrily. And then the person that's receiving that message, they're going to, their, their temper's going to go up and it just keeps spiraling out of control. Right. Because when you have a grown man screaming, you know, centimeters from your face and spitting in your face and all that, and you can't get mad, you're not allowed to get mad. You know, it's like, okay, it's probably not going to happen in real life. So when that part of it helped, and no one's yelled at me worse than my dad. So that was, <laughs> boot camp wasn't all, I was used to being screamed at. <laughs> Your parents listen yeah. to this podcast? <laughs> oh, he knows. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think back just to my childhood and there were times our, our, our father, he didn't speak to us in a very kind way. And so I, I think back at that. And so that helps me with, pull the reins back on myself, you know, right, not to, right. to go down that road because I remember how that was. Yeah. And I think that's a generational thing. It's like when you think back, I think with each generation, if you do come from a, a parent with bad tempers, it gets less and less with each generation from what I've heard. So like my dad's grandpa was super strict, had a, had a terrible temper. His dad was a little worse because he remembered what his same dad exact, was like. Same exact situation in my family. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So his temper was, you know, so, his, you know, his dad remembers how mean his dad was. So he was a little bit more self-aware than my dad, you know, was a little bit more self-aware than his dad. Still bad. So then, you know, now it's to me where I'm not anywhere close to where my great grandpa was. Yeah. So it, it ebbs and flows. Yeah. So Quack, I want to ask you this: uh, what it, What do you do when you when you feel that anger coming? How do you handle this so that you um, model it well for your kids? So last week, uh, wife was out of town, and so all the uh, all the responsibilities of getting the kids ready for school and into bed and you know, getting them from one place to the other, uh, the, the kids were arguing back and forth, and I could just feel you know I was like all right well enough is enough and I literally just turned around I walked around the corner and I just paused for a second I said God give me the patience that I need to deal with this right and you know that little pause 
allowed me to, again, just turn right back around and walk around to the corner and then deal with it in a, you know, a stern way, but not by raising my voice. Right. And, right. and those things. So, you know, um, I don't remember who it was that told me, but it's like if you're, if you are getting on to your child and your child is obviously at a different level than you are, then get down on your knees and talk to them together instead of towering over them and, you know, over a position of authority. Obviously that is what we are as parents, but, you know, to get on their level and look them in the eye and, you know, and just speak to them as a person. Yeah. That's a really good tip. I like that. Yeah. I was, I've, I was told once by a pastor that you shouldn't, um, of course, discipline your kids and, but don't, don't break their spirit if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So don't, don't discipline them, discipline them and yell at them to the point where you're, right. you know, belittling them and breaking their, breaking their spirit, you know, don't ever discipline them when you're angry. Right. That's so hard Wait till you've calmed down. Yeah. That's so hard though. You know, we control the timeline as the parent, right? right? There's no rush, no matter what terrible, horrible thing they've done. Yeah. There's no rush to immediately discipline them. Yeah. Right. You can immediately stop them and say, stop, don't keep doing that. And then you can say, you know, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to talk with your mom about this. We're going to get back to you tomorrow with what your punishment is. And that way we can control it and control the timeline and give ourselves time for our anger to subside. And, and there's no rush. So keep that in mind, dads. And then quack, dude, I love what you said about how you walked around that corner and you prayed, right? Mm-hmm. So we can we can forget to just simply pray. Ask for God, ask God to help us. Yeah. Right? Say God, please help me right now. Help me to calm down, help me to be slow to speak, slow to become angry, quick to listen. Yeah, and that's something that you need to learn about yourself is and it's good that you were self-aware enough to realize, okay, I need to step back cuz I think for some people, like I know for my wife, she's just so hot, hot tempered that she, that would never cross her mind. You know what I mean? Some people are just so, you know, she's just, uh, she's comes from Italian background, a lot of tempers, <laughs> you know, so she's, you know, God bless her. But uh, yeah, just some people are, you know, born that way where they're, you know, just so they, they're not going to, it's never going to cross their mind because they're so angry that just things come out or they react. You know, it's more of a reaction than a decision. So I have to say this now to all of our Italian listeners yeah. or Irish <laughs> listeners or redheaded, yeah. like you cannot use the, I was born this way excuse, I, I know. right? No, this is a good point because guys yeah. are going to say, I just have a short fuse. Right. Everyone in my family, I'm Italian, I'm yeah. Irish, whatever. Like, okay, cool. Now you need to practice self-control exactly, and, and you don't let your DNA define your behavior. Right. So it just, I would say it comes more natural to her. Oh, sure. I guess I don't, I mean, yeah, they're, they're behind the eight ball. Right, right, right. They still got (laughs) to, you know, uh, nobody, nobody gets a pass because of their. And that's probably what drew me to her. You know, she's a little (laughs) spitfire for sure. (laughs) This is great. What, what's your next one for us? Quack. All right, so the, the question for that one is, is what does your anger situation look like? Number six, uh, be patient. It is needed to raise a family. We need to teach them how to wait for a husband and a wife. You know, that's the, the, the you know, save their heart, you know, save their bodies again. 
in, we need patience in running a business, buying a home or a car. I think back uh, into my younger ages, I had some money and I wanted to buy a vehicle and I just, I found one that I liked and I just went about it and just didn't think about the purchase, didn't do the research on it or anything like that. Or, and that was a bad decision for me. So if I would have just take, taken some time and been patient in that moment, instead of just trying to, you know, scratch that itch, then, um, you know, it probably would have bought a different vehicle for sure. So uh, King Solomon, known as the wisest man to ever live, writes in Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul tells us that we must not fall into the temptation of money or harmful desires, but pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. This is probably one of the biggest struggles as men is patience. I know it is for me, um, but this is something that we need to pray over every day. I know for me, when, uh, one of the first prayers that I, that I say in the day is like, you know, God, give me patience in, in all the decisions that I have to make, you know, with my family. And then also, you know, for strength and other things. But patience um, is definitely part of my first prayer in, in the day. And then no, no day goes by without me asking for patience. For sure. I have such a similar story where I, I was probably 16, you know, I had my license. I wanted, there was this, I found this rust orange Jeep chair, uh, Jeep Wrangler for, you know, for sale. And I had, of course I would have needed a cosigner. So I had printed out, you know, my whole, you know, for my dad, because he was my only, you know, my only way to get this car. So I was like, dad, this is, I, you know, I had the whole spiel out, this whole presentation, you know, this is, I'll pay for it. I'll pay for the insurance. I'm, I'm going to, I have this job, da, 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 this whole thing. I was like, dad, this is the car. Like, this is my dream car. Like, please co-sign for me, yada, yada. And he was just like, trust me, son, this is, I know you really, what he handled it so well. He was like, but this is not the one. This is not the car. He, you know, he was like, this is just not, and I was just so disappointed, but I still remember it to this day. And I'm so thankful that he didn't let me get that. Cause I learned like such a good, he like, he told me no in like a constructive way. You know, he didn't dismiss me and be like, no, he was like, just, you just need to trust me on this. I know you really want that, but it is not, that is not the car for you. Cause it probably had a bunch of miles on it and it was a Jeep. So back then they were always breaking down you know i don't know what jeeps they are like now <laughs> yeah but <laughs> no. he just you know and i was i remember that to this day like how to tell your son no you know or how to tell your wait. kids no yeah just to wait you know and you know we've got this massive epidemic yeah. of impulsivity right and everybody wants instant gratification yeah um and it's just getting worse like we think it was bad when we were kids right nobody has any patience right attention spans are getting shorter yep impulsivity is getting higher and that's why i love that your point number six quack is be patient and this is something you know you re you just read from first timothy chapter six and it used the word endurance mm -hmm. and this is something i learned a couple years back is that you know patience and endurance come from the same latin word like but we don't think about that today yeah we think of like Patience is like sitting in the dentist office um, or being in a waiting room. 
or waiting to get the car we want. And we think of yeah. endurance has something to do with like being able to run a long way. Right. You know, but it really is, they're the yeah. same thing. They both require constant, constant staying on course, not deviating for instant gratification. Right. Just stay the course. Be be anxious for nothing. Yeah. Right? Just slow down and wait. Right. And, and the good thing that you're pursuing will be better when you get to it instead of trying to take a shortcut. And man, there may be nothing more. I mean, all these things are so important, just one after another. But this one is just like, man, this is so imperative that as men, that we be modeling this and teaching it just like your dad taught you, Shadow, to the next generation, to our sons and daughters. So that's the first six right there of Quack's list of 12 things, you know, that are our roles as fathers. Yeah. Yeah. So this is so good. So uh, we're going to break off here at the first six and then stay tuned for our next episode, part two with Quack and get the next six on being a better dad. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here with us, Quack. And, um, and we'll do our, we'll do our next one together. For those of you out there listening, you know, we've got the reach now to get you on a podcast even if you're not geographically here with us. So we look forward to doing that. Um, if you've got uh, somebody in your tribes that you'd like to nominate to be on our podcast remotely like this, please shoot us an email to info at mensalliancetribe.com. And I look forward to seeing you all around the fire soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Men's Alliance podcast. Find your tribe at mensalliancetribe.com, or maybe you're the man to start one in your area. And send us your questions or comments to info at mensalliancetribe.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we look forward to seeing you around the fire soon.